Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay. Thank you, Amanda. I'm so glad to be with all of you today. In Iranian refugee Daniel Nayeri's book, entitled Everything Sad is Untrue, he tells the story of his family's journey. His mother Sima's conversion from Shia Islam to Christianity was a critical factor in his family's flight from Iran. Daniel remembers the ways in which his mother pressed into her new Christian identity, including displaying a small cross that dangled from the rearview mirror in her car. He recounts her connection with a foreign missionary and her participation in an underground church. These are Daniel's words. Pastor Pike was a missionary from the United States, so he had to hide in a room in our house. It was as if Sima brought home a stray cat and said, can we keep him? And my dad said, if the committee finds out, they'll kill all of us. And my mom said, then we'd go to heaven telling people about the truth and saving their souls. And he said, Ugh. and you can kind of see it from both their sides. The members of the secret church would meet in abandoned buildings. It was just a small group of them, maybe 30 people. Everybody was careful about how they spoke, even to each other, because anyone could be with the committee. They would pray together about other things, but also that the secret police wouldn't kick down the doors at any moment and arrest them all while they prayed. One day after work, my mother went to her car and there was a note stuck to the windshield. It said, Madame, if we see this cross again, we'll kill you. Sima took the cross down that day. Then she got a cross so big it blocked half the windshield and she put it up. The choices we make in life are strong indicators of where we place our trust. When we're bold in our actions, like Sima or Pastor Pike, we do it based on something we're very confident in. If you made a bet against friends today on whether the Bengals or the Rams will win the Super Bowl, maybe that says something about where your trust lies, or at least about what you hope for. As humans, we have a strong impulse, a true need, really, to trust. It's woven into the fabric of our being. When we prayed the collect together a few minutes ago, we began by saying, O oh God, the strength of all who put their trust in you. Our collect reminds us that the Lord is strong, unwavering, a firm foundation, and it exhorts us to be among those who place their trust in him. This morning, I want to spend some time with the prophet Jeremiah, exploring together with you his exhortation to trust in the Lord. Our lectionary passage from Jeremiah 17 begins like this. Thank you, Leslie, for reading that. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. In this passage, the one who trusts in man is a person whose strength, the thing that keeps them going, the source of what sustains them day to day, comes not from God, but from people and other means. 
Now, it is a good thing to trust in healthy relationships, social networks and structures that the Lord has placed in our lives. Those are blessings and conduits through which God can work. What's described here is someone who has a distorted and inappropriate level of trust in humans and the promises of the world. These are tough words, but Jeremiah had a tough crowd. The northern kingdom of Israel had already been crushed by the Assyrians as a sign of God's judgment, and the southern kingdom of Judah was up next for destruction if something didn't change soon. Jeremiah was speaking to these people, the southern kingdom, folks who once knew the Lord but had turned away. And now they worshipped idols and made sneaky treaties with other nations. In Jeremiah's day, King Jehoiakim had stopped paying taxes to Babylon and had tiptoed over to Egypt to ask the Pharaoh if he would back him up if Babylon got mad and marched against Judah. What had happened to the people who said, some trust in chariots and others in horses, but we trust in the Lord our God? What had happened? Perhaps it felt easier to Jehoiakim to draw his strength from mere flesh. There are lots of ways that mere flesh or mere humans compete for our total trust today. Companies, government leaders, the media. When I open one of my go-to news sources, it proudly proclaims with a pop-up every time, news you can trust is news you can use. Personal planning techniques, a more competitive salary, our own accomplishments and abilities, the list could go on. But the question isn't what can be part of our lives. The question is where, at the end of the day, our deepest confidence lies. Who do we say is the strong one, us or God? Our scripture passage says that the person who trusts in humans who says, we're the strong ones here, is like a bush in the wasteland. They are rooted in the wrong place. This desert bush was a poignant image for the original audience. Jeremiah's own hometown, Anatoth, straddled the border between the lush hill country of Judah and the harsh Judean wilderness. Look west and see good green earth. Look east and see dry, barren desert. People traveled through the Judean desert to go in the, oh, I'm sorry, between Jerusalem and Jericho. They went through this desert, but they didn't live there. Today, it's the same story. Highway 1 runs through that chalky desert, but there's no significant settlement there because it's not a good place to live. This kind of imagery from the natural world permeates the book of Jeremiah, and if we step back to chapter 2 for just a moment, we see God himself using this language when he talks about a spring, the kind that bubbles up from the earth. God says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. It's sometimes said that God's people had a heart condition, and they did. 
Among other things, theirs was a condition of misplaced trust. Our passage continues, though. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. You might have noticed that Jeremiah 17 and Psalm 1, which is also one of our lectionary passages today, sound pretty similar in places. Jeremiah may have had Psalm 1 available as a reference or an inspiration. He was actually the son of a priest, so he might have had the words of Psalm 1 memorized by heart. Whatever the case, it's pretty clear which piece of vegetation Jeremiah wants his audience to be like, isn't it? and what he wants them to do. Trust in the Lord. In this text about a flourishing tree, water plays a special role because it is life-giving. We know that to be true today, too. In addition to our body's constant need for it, water is a critical component of all the ecosystems and agricultural processes that we need to survive. If you've spent time near a body of water, you've probably witnessed firsthand that water is life-giving. One of my family's favorite places to spend time here in Chicagoland is Ryerson Forest Preserve, just west that way, about 15 minutes. The Des Plaines River flows through it, and in addition to seeing the regular creatures like deer and coyotes, by the river we've also seen muskrats, carp, beaver, mink, and lots of water birds. Fresh flowing water gives life. It's something you can depend on, something you can trust. Our Bible passage might have originally called to mind a fig tree or a large poplar growing near the banks of a stream in one of the hill country's beautiful valleys, a tree that flourished because it was close to the source of life. Notice this too, however. Even though the tree by the stream experiences good things, Jeremiah is not preaching prosperity gospel. In other words, he's not suggesting that if God's people just placed their faith in him, they would reap a generous harvest of material benefits. Far from it. In fact, in this passage, drought comes to both the one who is turned away from God and the one who is turned toward God. That's important for us to hear today. We can all think of droughts that we've encountered in the recent past. If we're thinking literally, last spring, 2021, was the second driest spring on record here in Lake County. But drought transcends the physical world, of course. In some ways, the advent and continuation of COVID has been like one long drought depriving us of the usual life-giving contexts that we long for and really need in order not just to survive, but to thrive. More recently, December marks the beginning of a difficult season for our church. It's possible that this challenging journey we're on together has felt kind of like a drought to you in the way that it's impacted our collective sense of clarity and peace. We don't know why the droughts come, but they do come, don't they? 
our scripture tells us that if we place our trust in God, we are among those who are blessed, those who have found favor with God, even in the thick of a drought. Because God is steadfast in his desire to care for and sustain his people, that's why he sent Jeremiah and the other prophets to the people of Israel to call them back to himself and urge them to trust him again. If we trust in the Lord, Redeemer, then even in a drought, we don't have to fear or worry. We don't have to fear or worry. God is our strength. With his help, our leaves will still stay green and we can bear fruit. Well, our passage paints a striking picture for us, doesn't it? There are two camps, the bush in the wasteland and the tree that thrives by the stream, the camp of those with misplaced trust and the camp of those with rightly placed trust. That dichotomy is meant to be striking. In fact, this style of writing is common in biblical wisdom literature. We're presented with just two ways, or paths, a foolish way and a wise way. Those are the choices. Which path are we going to take? This made me think of a simple quote that's often attributed to the 19th century English preacher, Charles Spurgeon. Begin as you mean to go on. Every day we make choices that indicate where our trust lies. Every day we might take a step or two down the foolish path or a step or two down the wise path. And so each day we can ask again, what are our hearts turned toward? Do we need to steer a little to one side or the other to continue on the wise path, the one that treads close to the living water? Are we beginning as we mean to go on? And in case any one of us is feeling pretty good about how far we are from being the bush in the wasteland, we're reminded that we are fully capable of taking steps down that foolish path. Verse 9 reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That is hard to hear. It kind of reminds me of Peter in Pastor Scott's wonderful sermon last week about epiphanies, plural. Peter, who in a moment of revelation said, I'm a sinful man. As Christians, we confess together that scripture is God's word. It speaks truth about God, about us, about our hearts. The heart is deceitful. We have the same heart condition that ancient Israel did. We are sinful beings, and we have inclinations to turn away from God. And so we also need to hear, with fresh ears today, the exhortation to trust in the Lord. So how do we do it? We know which path we want to be on. We know which tree we want to be. How do we practice trusting the Lord? Well, we do what Jeremiah's tree does. The flourishing tree trusted by sending out its roots by the stream. We trust by sending out our roots toward God, our strong source of life. 
We don't have physical roots, but we definitely have roots, don't we? We are rooted in habits, traditions, consumer practices, cultural frameworks of thinking, the people and ideas who surround us. And where we are rooted is a testimony to what we trust. The flourishing tree sends out its roots by the stream. The Hebrew behind this sending of roots is an intense version of a verb. This tree is not just sort of letting its roots meander and seeing what they find. No, instead, it's thrusting its roots out toward the source of life. This tree is making a serious effort. So how do we trust in the Lord? We trust by drawing near to him, rooting ourselves near him. We know that the people of ancient Judah had drifted far from the Lord. God said they had dug out cisterns for themselves, broken reservoirs that just weren't able to hold water, the thing they really needed. Instead of drinking freely from the spring of living water, what God offered, they had hewn out their own little containers and filled them with stuff they felt like they could trust in. And is it possible that we also do that? Sometimes it feels easier to find our deepest sense of assurance in people, systems, or our own plans. They might seem to promise more tactile or measurable results, more rewards, more protection, more guarantee. What's in our cisterns, I wonder? Well, God invites us to release those cisterns and drink freely of what he offers to draw near to him, the living water. So let's do it. Away with our own cisterns, whether they are few or many, we want the trustworthy source of life. And if it sounds a little daunting to figure out how to draw near to God, I have good news for us today. Our starting place is eased because God has already drawn near to us. He did so by coming down to us in the person of Jesus. It's the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, and throughout the season of Epiphany, we have learned God's love and redemptive plans are revealed especially in Jesus. Jesus, through whom we can receive deliverance from our deceitful hearts, and through whom we can be in right relationship with God. Jesus, who is trustworthy. So draw near to God and to Jesus, his Son. Today, my challenge to us, all of us, including myself, is to reflect on where our roots are and imagine where they should be so that we can more fully trust in the Lord. And we are capable of discerning this. If we are in Christ, then the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, guiding us, helping us fight our waywardness and keeping us on a wise path. This takes a little self-examination, which I know can feel vulnerable, but verse 10 of our passage says that God knows our hearts anyway, that he searches the heart and examines the mind. That's both scary and comforting. 
God knows you and me and the person sitting next to you. And not only is he steadfast in his desire to care for his people, but he is strong enough to do that. In our personal lives, in this season with our head pastor on leave, in the affairs of the whole world, we can trust him. So reflect on where your roots are. Imagine where they should be. And then with bold belief in the power of the Holy Spirit, use each day as an opportunity to draw near to the Lord. Draw near by pursuing scripture, song, prayer. Draw near by making space to be present to the Lord. Draw near by participating in community. We have each other as companions along the way. It's not a road that we walk alone. And listen, listen for what the Spirit has to say to you about how you can draw near to him. He knows your heart. I might know it a little bit, but he knows your heart. To close today, I want us to notice something from our gospel passage. In Luke 6, Jesus is getting ready to teach. And who is coming to hear him? Everyone. We read that a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. Everyone was physically drawing near to Jesus, not just the disciples, the in-group, so to speak. Jews were coming. Gentiles were coming. All of them were drawing near to the same center, Jesus, even reaching out to touch him. Like Pastor Stephanie said, they're drawing close. All of us can draw near to the same center, Jesus. Women can come, men can come. Young can come and old can come. Black, brown, and white can come. Poor can come. And rich can come. If you're joyful today, you can come. If you're downtrodden today, you can come. If you call Jesus Lord, then come. If you don't know Jesus, then please come and meet him. So if you are questioning this morning, somehow if you are among those who are allowed or accepted or asked to draw near to God, look no further. You are invited to draw near to the Lord. God is indeed the firm foundation, the sure confidence, and the strength of those who trust in him. Trust in the Lord and draw near to him today. Amen.